part of that. What a blessing they are to us. We're going to continue our series today that is found in the book of Mark. We're doing a series called More Like Jesus. If this world needs anything, it needs more people like Jesus. Not just those who say that they're Christian, not just those who go to church, but more people like Jesus. So today we're continuing this series and we come to a very peculiar part of Scripture in Mark chapter 4, which is probably one of my favorite parts of the entire book outside the death and resurrection of Christ is what goes on here in chapter 4. So you need to put on your seatbelt this morning. You may need to buckle up, and, and, and I hope you packed your lunch, because uh, this is some good stuff. Today, I know many of us are faced with storms in our life. Anybody here ever just been through a storm in your life? I'm not talking about a storm that comes through in a cold front or a warm front. I'm talking about a storm that comes into your life and seems to not go away. I'm talking about a storm that will come into your life that will beat you down, a storm that will come into your life that uh, just puts you in a position where you have no control. That there is nothing you can do to get over the storm, through the storm, and get rid of the storm. You are beat down by this storm. I have been in storms like that. I have been around storms like that. And praise God, I have been through storms like that. Today, I think it's a great question as I wrestled with this scripture this week. And, and Mark is a, a book of action and it shows Jesus' action. And, and I looked at this and a question came to mind. How do we respond to storms more like Jesus? Because we're going to see how he responds and we're going to break this apart and really, really see what we can do so that we can respond more like Jesus. Jesus. I want to begin reading today, just to give you a context, and I'll begin reading in verse 35 in just a moment. What's been going on is Jesus has been teaching all day long. He has had large crowds following him. If you remember from last week in chapter 3, there were so many people, they couldn't even get anything to eat. And then he was accused of things and called names. He was called a liar. He was called a lunatic. And he went on and, and he continued to teach. And he has been teaching all day long. And there comes this time when evening comes. Begin reading with me in verse 35. On that day when evening came, he said to them, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. So here's the situation. Jesus has told the disciples, let's go to the other side. And there were other boats around them. And when you look back in chapter 3, but he says, let's go to the other side. And he gets into the boat and they begin to go to the other side. Well, while they're out there, something unexpected happens. Something they didn't plan for. Something that wasn't in their books that they wanted to deal with. Something that they just had no idea that would come up. And that was a big storm. Now, I'm not talking. I'm not talking a small storm. 
I'm talking a, 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 a storm that will come up so fast that it surprises and catches you off guard. Because I can tell you, as a fisherman, as someone who, who, who was on the lake like these fishermen were, they would have gone back to, to shore if they'd had time to avoid being on the lake with the storm. But it happened so fast and so quick, they found themselves on a lake in the midst of a great storm. We're not talking about just a little rain and some lightning. We're talking about big winds. We're talking about big waves. We're talking about the boat was going back and forth. It was filling up with water, it says. This was a storm of reckoning. In our lives, sometimes, there will be a storm that will come up. It will come up unexpected, and we're going to be in a position where it's going to just overwhelm us and overtake us. They were out on the water. They weren't on dry land where they could just go get in a house. They were out on the water. Uh, they were in a, in a place and in a position that left them vulnerable to this storm that had come up in their life. And what we can see here is this storm is merciless. It is seeking to destroy. Have you ever been part of a storm, a storm in your life that you just felt like? This storm is merciless. It is not showing me any mercy. It wants to destroy me. It wants to tear me down. It wants to ruin me and consume me. It seems to be seeking the demise of my life. Has anybody here, somebody just give a witness, you've been parts of a storm like that in your life. I know I have. When I thought there'd be no end, it would be absolutely the end of all that I have ever known. This storm here, these men on this boat felt totally out of control. Completely out of control. They couldn't do anything to bring calmness. They couldn't bring anything within themselves. They couldn't do anything to change the situation. But they were in a storm that brought them to a place where they completely were out of control of doing anything about it. Not only that, but this storm really, I believe, made them question what they really believed. Anybody here ever had a storm in your life where you began to ask questions and you were wondering, do I really believe what I've always believed? Is it really what I've always heard? I mean, I have. Ladies and gentlemen, there have been times in my life when the storm has been raging so hard, it's caused me to question what it is that I really believe and what I think about a particular situation or what is going on. This storm brought these disciples who were hanging out with Jesus Jesus to a place where they were utterly and totally at the mercy of a storm. But there's a couple of things I want us to get a hold of about the truth in the midst of the storm. Because many of you have been in a storm, you've admitted you've, you've been there, you've experienced that. But look at these disciples. Because sometimes we think, well, I'm in a storm and there must be something wrong with me. There must be something going on that's caused this storm. But I want us to notice some truth right in the middle of this storm. And the first one is this. They were caught in a storm in the center of God's will. They were in the center of God's will. Jesus told them to get into the boat and go to the other side. They had obeyed exactly what God had told them to do. They, they were not walking in disobedience. They were not going in the opposite direction in rebellion. They were doing exactly what God had asked them to do. Jesus said, get in the boat. Let's go to the other side. They got in the boat and, and they pushed off and they went on to that that Sea of Galilee, and they were going to the... They were in the center of God's will when this storm came up. Do not let a storm in your life make you feel like God has, has, has punished you because you're not in the center of His... You can be in the center of God's will and be in the midst of a storm. 
Just because you follow God does not mean everything's going to be hunky-dory and beautiful in your life. Storms come even when we're in the center of God's will. People often want to know God's hidden will for their lives when they refuse to follow His revealed will in their life. What I mean by that is a lot of people want God to reveal things to them about what to do and how to live when they won't actually do it by the Word of God. When God's Word says it, that's, that's enough. That is His will. You want to know God's will? It's written down. He made it in black and white and red just so you can know what His will is. And for us to seek the, the un unwritten will of God without really taking this will of God serious, why would God reveal anything else to us? But here is a time when Jesus himself made it very clear. He said, get in the boat. And they said, yes, sir. He said, let's go to the other side. Yes, sir. So they were in the center of God's will in the midst of this terrible storm in their life. Storms are designed to deepen you. Storms are designed to increase your faith and experience with God. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to me, church, because storms come into our life and they do not have to destroy us. But they sure do feel like they're going to, don't they? These disciples were in the same exact place. They felt like this storm was going to destroy them. But yet God had put them there when they were in the center of God's will. And that's an important thing for you to hold on to. The second thing is they were caught in a storm in the presence of Christ. Don't miss this because Jesus was right there. See, look, verse 35. On that day when evening came, He said to them, Let us... Us go over to the other side. Jesus is saying, I'm going to be right there with you. Leaving the crowd, they took Him. Him who? Jesus. Jesus is right there with them. Along with them in the boat, just as He was. And other boats were with them. And there arose this great storm. In the midst of that storm, the presence of Christ was right there. Let me assure you today that the presence of Christ is in your life in the midst of your storm. Can I just say that again? Somebody, if you're going through a storm in your life, if, if you're getting through that storm, I want you to know Jesus is right there with you. He's not distant. He's not far off. He's right there. His presence is real. C.S. Lewis said this, God whispers to us. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience. But He shouts in our pain. It is God's megaphone to rouse a deep world. Let me tell you, God is trying to get people's attention when storms are coming. When storms come into your life, He's trying to say, Hello, would you please listen? Sometimes He's saying, I want you to grow, and I know that you can be better than what you truly are. God is always working in our life in the midst of a storm. Don't miss God's presence in the midst of a storm. But let's look and see at the two responses to this storm here. We know that the disciples are there. They're in the center of God's will. They're in the presence of Jesus Christ. And this storm comes up. Let's see what happens. Verse 38. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep. Jesus was asleep in the midst of the storm. He was asleep on a cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're about to die? Do you not care we're about to perish? 
And he got up and he rebuked, he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. The storm does not have to determine the outcome or what happens. This storm had come up and the disciples were convinced the end was near. It was going to sink and they were going to die. But yet, yet in the midst of this, right in the middle of the storm, they wake up Jesus. They wake Him up because He was there. And there's a poet that wrote these words that I think are just beautiful. Ella Wilcox wrote, For it is the set of the sail and not the gale that determines the way that we go. Tis the set of the soul that determines the goal and not the calm or the strife. In other words, the storm does not have to determine and dictate the outcome for your life. Oftentimes it feels like it will, doesn't, does it not? It feels like this coronavirus has turned everything in our world completely upside down. But you know what I think? I think some of it, God has used it to turn it right back up because it was already upside down. Unfortunately, our world is a depraved world filled with sin. And our world is a mess already. Coronavirus has just revealed some of it. And it has caused us as born-again believers, as Christians, to have to step back and reevaluate some things. And for some, it has helped us turn things back upright that had gotten turned upside down. Storms in our life are designed for a purpose. God has not left us. God has not left you no matter what storm you're going through. Whatever, whatever your storm looks like, whatever size it is, whatever color it is, whatever the characteristics are, He has not left you. The disciples, when they experienced this storm, I want you to pay close attention to their response. Their response was this, Teacher, do you not care we're going to die? They did not simply go to him and say, Why are you sleeping, Jesus? Or, How in the world can you sleep through this big storm that's going on? I mean, that would have been probably my first question. Jesus, how in the world can you sleep with the boat doing what it's doing and all this rain and all this thunder and lightning and all the the, the commotion and us yelling and screaming? How can you sleep through all this? But the disciples come up to them and wake him up. And they ask him, Teacher, not Messiah, not, not Jesus, but teacher, do you not care we're about to die? Other words, why are you not doing your part? We're the ones working hard trying to save our lives and you're sitting there asleep, Jesus. There's a real truth here that we need to see. Let's not just glance over this because there is something about Jesus in this moment that we can grab hold of and we can really, really begin to respond differently to storms in our life. There was a spiritual reality about that storm that Jesus understood. And because of that, he could rest in the truth of what God had said. He knew there was a spiritual dynamic to this storm and that he could rest in the truth of what God had said regardless of what that storm made people think or feel. Because God had said something, he believed it and he was good to go. 
Jesus was sent to this earth and he was, he was put into place so that he would be the Savior of the world. He understood his mission at this point. If you think he was confused, I want you to look. There would be people who, who still needed healing, who still needed help, and Jesus would turn and walk away because he had to go preach the gospel and tell people that there was a way that's, that seemed right unto man, but it was destruction, there was sin, and there had to be deliverance from that. Jesus had a mission and he understood it. Did he know every little detail? I'm going to say he probably did not know every detail because he was fully man, depending on the Holy Spirit to live out this plan God had for him. But yet he was also fully divine. But Jesus was able to rest in the truth of what God had said and God had called him to do. And so he was able to sleep. Now here's the interesting thing. You may be wondering... What does that mean? Well, I believe this storm was like no other storm. And there's a key in the Scriptures that will give us some kind of a clue of a possibility of what this storm really was. And it's found. It's found in verse 39. And he got up and rebuked the wind. That word rebuked in Greek was primarily used in Scripture when it referred to demonic activity. Now, you you may say, well, that's interesting, Pastor. Well, let's look at a little bit more. When you go over to chapter 3, you will find that in verses 7 through 12, Jesus is casting out demons, and the demons are going, going, oh, Son of God. And Jesus is saying, hey, listen, don't tell people who I am yet. So there is demonic activity going on in chapter 3 where he's casting out demons. When you look in chapter 3, verses 13 and 14 and 15, listen to this, verse 14, And he appointed twelve so that they would be with him and that he could send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out demons. So Jesus in chapter 3 has experienced demonic activity, cast out demons. He has called his disciples, gave them authority to cast out demons. And then we see later in chapter 3 where Jesus himself, he is accused of being demon-possessed. The Jewish leaders are going, Jesus, you're demon-possessed. It is by Beelzebub you're doing the things that you're doing. And Jesus said, oh no. A house divided against itself cannot stand. So there is this this pointing in chapter 3 of all this demonic stuff. Now, check this out. Chapter 5, you know what happens when they get to the other side? The first thing they encounter is a man who is possessed by demons. Twelve legions to be exact. So when we look at the biblical evidence, we're beginning to pile up and say, maybe this storm wasn't just a storm. That maybe there was something more to this storm than just a natural occurrence. Now, check this out. You're going to like this. This is the very first time. Oh, hold on. The very first time Jesus is going from the Jewish side of the lake to the Gentile side of the lake. Did you hear me? It's the very first time Jesus is going from the Jewish people over to where the Gentiles live. Now, Think about the power of the gospel. 
The power of the gospel isn't just for the Jews, but it is for the Gentiles as well. It is for the whole world. Jesus is making a physical move. He is physically going from the Jewish side of the lake to the Gentile side of the lake, and this storm comes up and tries to destroy everything. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. There is an enemy called Satan. He brings storms into your life to derail you, to to make you just feel depressed, to make you give up and say, it's over, I can't do anything about it, but I'm here to tell you something. I know a Jesus and I know a God who can stand up and rebuke the devil and tell him to hit the road, Jack. You ain't welcome here no more. You go ahead and go back to hell because Jesus is alive. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the only way and He will get you through the storm. So I propose to you today, this storm in chapter 4 isn't just a storm. It is a demonically inspired storm. Hold on, I'm not done. Why would Jesus be asleep in such a storm? Could it be? Could it be? He remembered and he knew and he believed what he had told the disciples in chapter 3. I give you authority to cast out demons. And Jesus was like, I ain't worried. You got this. I'm going to give me some rest. I've been working all day long. I've been teaching. I've been preaching. I've been telling parables. I've been dealing with these numbskulls who, who think I'm, I'm, I'm possessed by the devil. And my own family who, who called me a lunatic. I'm going to sleep. You guys got this. Because I have given you authority to have this. Jesus was asleep. Because he believed in the authority he had given to the disciples more than the, the, the disciples believed in the authority that had been given to them. These disciples had the authority to do something about this storm, and they did nothing. But remember, these disciples, they were in the center of God's will, doing exactly what God had told them to do, and they were in the presence of Jesus. But yet in that moment, fear rose up. And they were scared. I'm not talking about just scared. I'm talking really, really scared. So I want you to take heart to know that even though we know God's Word says that we are more than conquerors through Christ, that even though we know that God's Word says things that gives us promises and we find ourselves in the midst of something that causes us to be afraid, you're not alone. You're not the only one who's been there. You're not the only one who's experienced that. The disciples themselves were in this great storm in the center of God's will in the presence of Jesus and they were afraid and they were scared. And if the disciples can experience that, we can as well. But here's what just blows my mind is that Jesus knew the disciples could handle this storm. If if what I have Propose to you that this was a demonically inspired storm. The disciples themselves could have rebuked the wind and looked up and said, Hush! And looked at the, the, the sea and said, Be calm. That's what Jesus did. Hush! Be calm. And the waters became still. And the storm became quiet. And if you notice what happens next, they thought that they were afraid. Until they realized we lost sight 
of who we were in Christ and who Jesus was who was with us. Because reading on, we find after Jesus says, Hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. Verse 40. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Jesus didn't say little faith. He didn't say you lost some faith. He says, you still have no faith. They became much more afraid. And they said, who is this that even calms the storms? In that moment, the disciples had an opportunity to grow and to become something that Jesus knew that they could be. Someone who could stand with confidence and with the authority that Christ had given to them. But let me assure you of this, ladies and gentlemen, that we can do nothing apart from Christ. Do not walk away thinking I'm telling you to just be like Jesus Jesus and rebuke the storm in your life. There comes a time that you need to do that. You need to just say, devil, hit the road. You need to just stand up and say, this is the, enough of this, Jack. I'm praying that Satan, you'll just go right back to hell, that you'll take these lies and send them back to hell, that I'm standing in the power of Christ. But that's the key. You have to stand in the power of Christ. You have to understand the confidence of who you are in Jesus Christ, of who he's called you to be, to be able to withstand the storm. You want to calm storms like Jesus did? Have faith like Jesus did. Have trust like Jesus did. Know that what God's Word says is true. Jesus understood. When He told them, let us go over to the other side, I think He was pretty convinced the boat was not going to sink that day. I think He knew for certain they would make it to the other side. And He didn't say, let, let some of us get to the other side. He said, let us. He understood every one of you are going to make it to the But in the midst of the storm, they thought they were all going to die and perish. So understand, you're not alone when you feel that way, but don't get paralyzed in the middle of the storm. You know, the key thing that I think happened here is these disciples, once they extinguished all of their opportunities and their abilities, you know what they did? They turned to Jesus. They went and they woke Him up, and they cried out and told Him exactly how they felt. So what do we do with this? How do we become more like Jesus? If we, are, if we are to do exactly like resting in the truth of God rather than what the, the storms may make us feel or think, what do we do? Well, number one, I think we need to do this. We need to pray in faith. We need to, in faith, just turn to Him and just say, Jesus, I'm scared. I'm worried. This is a mess. And can I... Can I just give you some truth? It's hard truth. Do not expect him to respond as fast as Amazon. <laughs> Do not expect God to, to deliver to you what you're asking for by the next morning. He's not in it for your convenience. He's in it for your holiness. And your holiness may take a few more days or a few more weeks or even a few years. But we have to trust and in faith turn to Him in prayer. It only takes a little prayer and an ounce of faith for a miracle to take place. The Word of God says that if you have the... Jesus Himself said, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, and the mustard seed is so small, if I had one up here, you couldn't see it. 
If you had faith that size, you could say to a mountain, cast into the sea and it would go. You know the truth of that is? Your faith does not have to be the same size as the mountain and problem in your life. You just have to have that little faith and leave it in the hands of the Lord and just have faith and feed that faith. Ralph Waldo Emerson said this. It's beautiful. The wise man in the storm prays to God, not for safety from danger, but deliverance from fear. Not from safety from the danger, not that the storm would go away, but Lord, help me not be afraid in the midst of this storm. Help me weather it as you need me to weather it. Help me do what I need to do in the midst of the storm. Because we often will pray, God, just take the storm away. Change things. Change the circumstances. Just make things better, right? We pray that. I'm going to be honest. I prayed it. Just take away the storm. When the real prayer that God's waiting for me to pray has been, God, give me, give me strength. Give me courage. Help me have confidence like David. Help me be able to endure this. Because God will use you greater in the midst of a storm than you ever thought possible. But the devil wants to take you and get you in such a place where you're useless for God in the midst of the storm and just be focused on the circumstances. But even though we pray in faith, I am convinced we need to expect storms to come into our life. It's a reality. It's a truth. Even like these disciples, they were in the center of God's will. They were in the presence of Jesus. They were doing everything right, and storms came into their life. We need to expect storms. But we need to be careful to make sure we feed our faith more than we feed our fear. Feeding our faith is critical. And the best way to feed our faith is Scripture. You have to answer the question, what do I think about this book? Is this the holy word of God? Does this have truth and a foundation? If it does, whenever the word of God says that Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Or how about 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares upon the Lord, for he cares for you. You're cared for by Him. Hebrews 13, 5, He will never leave you nor forsake you. We're reminded of that in Hebrews 13, 5. He doesn't go anywhere. doesn't matter how bad the storm gets. He's always there. Romans 8, 28, we all know that. For we know. For we what? We know. You know what that's called? That's called faith. For we know that all things. How many things? All things, not some of them. The bad storms, yes. The little storms, yes. All things work together for good to those who love the Lord, who are called according to His purpose. Be careful not to let the storm derail you from the purpose of God in your life. That's exactly what the devil wants to do. So when a storm comes into your life, can it be, can it be the devil? Absolutely it can. Can it just be the natural tendencies of this world because we live in a fallen world? Absolutely it can be. But the thing is, it is, it is not the storm that has to determine which way we go. It needs to be the direction of our soul and what we feed in the midst of that storm. Jesus was convinced, these boys got it. I've given them authority. 
We're going to get to the other side. I've given them that promise. But the disciples in the midst of that storm, because of our frailty as humankind, they got, they got scared. They got afraid. But I want to encourage you today with this. If you want to respond to the storms more like Jesus, then you need to put your faith and trust in what God has already said in your life and what He's already said in His Word. And be careful not to feed the fear in your life. See, there was two different kinds of fear in, in these verses, if, if you didn't pick up on it. The first one was they were afraid they were going to die. Scared. The second, when they were even more afraid, they began to realize the holy and living God that was present and working in their life, and they were missing it. Don't be one of those who are missing the work of the Lord in your life. Here's your challenge for the next seven days. To take this and to put feet to the fire. And what do you do with this? How do we become more like Jesus in the midst of the storm? Well, you need to be doing something before you get in the storm. I can tell you that. Don't wait till you're in the middle of the storm and think you're going to be able to weather it well. It takes preparation. But maybe you're in the middle of a storm right now or you're coming out of one. You may be about to go into one and you don't know it. So I want to encourage you to do this over the next seven days. I want you to encourage someone this week about going through a storm. And I want you to make it God-focused. It might be a song. Someone shared a song with me this week that just really spoke to them in, in their life. You can do the same thing. A good Christian... I'm not talking about... When the devil went down to Georgia, okay? I'm not talking about something from Charlie Daniels' band or anything like that. I'm talking about a, a song that is based in Scripture, that is centered on God. When you find something that will encourage you in the storm or encourage you in a storm, share that with somebody. You never know how that's going to speak into someone's life. Share a Scripture. Share a verse. Maybe it's a short conversation. You say... you. You know, Sam, I just, I, I just want to share with you a verse that's really helped me when difficult things are going on in my life. I, here's the verse, Romans 8, 28. And you just share that with them and say, so how are the kids? You never know what's going on in that person's life. God's going to take you to a place where when you share something from God's Word or a song or something, you're going to impact somebody's life. Because there are people in this world going through storms and they're doing it by themselves and they're doing it quietly. And when they get encouragement from somebody, that might be the very thing they needed to take a step. So that's your seven-day challenge. For some of you, you may want to do it on Facebook or Instagram or you may want to do it by email or text. Maybe you want to call somebody. Maybe you want to just write a card and send it to someone. There's plenty of people who are having a difficult time in their life. Would you do that today? Corey Ten Boom said this, You may never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you need. And there are people who just need to hear and be reminded Jesus is is all you need. So will you be that voice this week in their life? Will you pray with me, Father? I thank you for this morning. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your word. I thank you for the faith that Jesus has in us and that, 
that you have in me, Lord, is much more than I have in you. Lord, I pray that you will help me feed my faith. That when I'm afraid, when I'm scared, when I don't know what to do and it seems like I'm going to be consumed, that I'll have somebody that will remind me that you are there. Lord, use us this week to speak into people's lives and to give them the hope that Jesus Christ brings. Lord, for those who are here in this room and those watching and listening, if they do not have a relationship with you, Father, I pray today will be the day that they will, they will make that move. God, it's clear the Word of God says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God in Romans 3.23. And that the wages of those sin, that sin is death, that we deserve to die because of sin in our life. But Father, thank you for the gift, the gift that you've offered according to Romans 6.23. That is eternal life with you. Lord, and we know, according to John, that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through you. There's no way to heaven except through Jesus Christ. We can't dress up. We can't fix up. Lord, we just have to look up. So today, Father, if someone understands and knows that they have sinned and they're separated from you, I pray today they will cry out, and ask you to forgive them and take over their life. Father, we thank you for your word of encouragement. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.